Hello, and welcome to episode 151 of the Film Yak podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. This week on the episode, we're talking Kevin's pick, which is a, uh, a film called Kids in the Hall, colon, Brain Candy, from 1996, directed by Kelly Macon, and starring the Kids in the Hall. Dave Foley and Kevin McDonald and Mark McKinney and so on and so forth. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about other stuff we watched. How is it going? It's Christmas break time. Heck yeah, it is. Christmas break is upon us. I think we're all off work for some amount of time anyway. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm jazzed. I'm really psyched to be not working. In fact, I was totally checked out for the last week or so. So, you know, it's just great to not have to wake up and go to work. Yeah. Jerry, are you loving it? Well, you don't have an experience yet. Tomorrow will be your first Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if I love it. I'm guessing that I will love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am yeah. spent. I hear that, man. I hear that. Well, you know, let's jump into the movie. Unless you guys have other things you want to talk about. Good Christmas gifts coming? What'd you ask Santa for? <laughs> uh, we're, take, we're taking Christmas pretty light this year. Like, uh, just just the uh, kids are getting gifts this year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What'd you get them? Or you can't say because they're hearing distance. Yeah. Uh, okay. they've, well, they've already got some stuff from uh, their, their relatives. Like, they got bikes. With uh, training wheels, they got scooters, um, they got some other good stuff, so. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. I asked Santa for a a new laptop, and I, uh, uh, (laughs) Santa said, you're fucking crazy. Really? (laughs) I can't imagine. I think you might be surprised at what Santa has in store for you, JR. (laughs) I think you might get that new laptop. And it might be like an HP hunk of shit, you know. But <laughs> I will get, I will get some new laptop at some point in 2024. But nice. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think it'll happen this week. You know, the MacBook Air is, uh, I think it's right at a thousand or maybe eleven hundred, and it has a better yeah. chip and power than my MacBook Pro from a couple of years ago, which is really frustrating. And it looks amazing, actually. It's so thin. Yeah, I love it. Air, the air is on my. I got, I'm, I got my sights on, on it. I don't know. I'm looking into it. Yeah, hell yeah. I remember the first time the airs came out, and I was like, "There's no disc drive. What the fuck am I gonna do with this computer?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How am I gonna burn CDs? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, where's my, where's my DVD player? Oh man, yeah, well, we, yeah. We're so young. I actually still have a uh, my external Pioneer Blu-ray drive, so I can oh, watch wow. it on my la- on my laptop. I watched Days of Heaven once on uh, on my MacBook <laughs> in bed, just because I could, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because that's good. the way that uh, Malik would have intended it to be seen, you know, on 100%. my 15-inch MacBook in bed. Anyway, but it is a great screen. Um, hmm. All right, well, let's talk uh, Kevin's deep dive here. Kids in the Hall brain candy. Now, Kevin, 
Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're a Kids in the Hall fanboy. I do very much enjoy the show Kids in the Hall, yes. And is this their is this the only is this the first film that they made of their show? Or as yes. a as a troupe? Yeah, it's the first film. Yes, yeah, as, as far as I know, it's the first film. Uh later on they did like a mini series, Death Comes to Town. Um and then like they've done like like some reboot stuff on uh Amazon, but uh yeah, as far as I know, this is the only feature film that they've made. And we're just to be clear to our listeners uh maybe listener singular uh the kids <laughs> in the hall is like a sketch comedy troupe yeah yes who had a tv show in the 90s and mm-hmm. they're canadian if i'm not mistaken yeah that's right yeah it was on um yeah it was on in canada and like the first time i saw them was like they had like a block of kids in the hall on comedy central sometime in the afternoon either before or after whose line is it anyway that's in good company. That, that was mm-hmm. a, a huge show when I was an early teen. Yes. Who's lying? We used to watch it with my dad. Love that shit. Yeah. Um, JR, do you have experience with kids in the hall? I remember them being on TV when I was younger, but I don't remember uh, liking them at all. I, and I, I knew, you know, like, just like those sitcoms were always on in my house. I was definitely aware of Dave Foley, if not the name, then like just from news radio. Mm-hmm. Um, just those shows were always on, but the, um, I don't know. I think I, I feel like I never watched kids in all. And it was just like, Oh, they're just like doing drag, drag comedy. And that's, I was like, okay. <laughs> I remember, um, uh, Dave Foley also from news radio, another staple of our, of our youth and, uh, Kevin McDonald as, um, what is it? Jean jacket or Jean vest or something on Seinfeld. Kevin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Den- denim vest. Denim vest, right? Yeah. Denim vest. Yeah, he's great in that. Um, you know, I like. I was trying to place like where I've seen Mark McKinney lately, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I realized it's from a show that I I didn't really watch, but just like saw commercials for, and I guess probably saw a few episodes. He's, he was in like fucking Superstore as the uh, the manager that oh my God. America Ferrera. Oh. Yikes. Ferrara. Uh, I mean, people like that show. I, that again, show's uh, kind of old it. now, isn't it? I think it's done, and I think it ran for like four or five seasons. But yeah, it's, mm. that's actually when you, when you first said it, I immediately thought of the uh, that Netflix blockbuster show. I thought that you were talking about that for a second. Oh no, oh, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I don't. Nightmare. I haven't seen. I feel like I haven't seen any of these people lately besides uh, Foley. And uh, have and you seen Brendan. Foley lately? Yeah, he's in the current season of Fargo, which I've been watching. Oh, Jesus. Oh, nice. uh, plays the... I, <laughs> I, I put this out to someone earlier. Um, he's playing a character kind of similar to, to Marv. Uh, he's who's, like a, a lawyer. Marv? Marv is the assistant to the guy who owns the pharmaceutical company that... Oh, the character plays. he plays in this. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, it's like... Uh, he hates his boss, and I was like, "Oh, Marv got into a fight with his boss, lost his eye, uh, went on the run, drove, or you know, went west across Lake Superior to uh, Minneapolis, and uh, is now working for Jennifer Jason Lee." Jr. is going to make a, a a fan theory video for YouTube and go <laughs> viral. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
He's pretty fun in Fargo. I'm I'm enjoying this season of Fargo. In fact, do you watch all the seasons of Fargo? No, no. I uh, I quit in the in season three. Yeah. Why, the, uh, why did you start up again? I I just like I watched the trailers for it. I was like, this sounds fun. And then uh-huh. the first two episodes were really good. And so I was like, I'm gonna watch this again. I and do I never, like, I never uh, saw that season four, Chris Rock season. I do like Juno Temple. So mm. I remember yeah. seeing the trailer and thinking, you know, well, if nothing else, I'd watch it for her. But John Hamm, I can't do it. Can't do it, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John Hamm is also good and he's playing someone kind of in his no, wheelhouse. That's not possible. Um it is possible. John <laughs> Hamm John Hamm has like are you like in a John Hamm was not good in Mad Men camp? I'm in a Mad Men is like the most overrated show of all time camp. It's God. not good. I watched can't, the first two can't. seasons and no. it is not good. Will not entertain. This is that the show, thing. This show is like heard. Mad Men is like a show for like like stupid people who think that they're watching smart TV. They're like, Oh, this is great. It's just like all the other great TV shows is so well written, but it's really just like a boring piece of shit show. That's just like, uh, you know, um, I'm going to talk about salt burn later and it's mm. like that. It's provocative <laughs> for the sake of provocation and it's not interesting at all to me and it doesn't do anything well at all in my opinion. Uh, except for maybe like set dressing. I mean, it looks nice. Like they have, you know, typewriters that look old and stuff. Uh, (laughs) The, uh, the dress like they're in the fifties, you know, (laughs) the beginning of your take, um, is like exactly my thoughts on breaking bad (laughs) show that I also think is like stupid. And when people call it good, I'm just like, it's kind of just like a dumb thriller. Okay, uh, but that's that's the thing though. Like Breaking Bad doesn't purport to be more than that, though. That I is mean, like, not what are you talking about? What are you talking about? What? When is Vince? When is Vince Gilligan ever said like, take my show seriously? It's so brilliant and amazing. I mean, like, it's just a thriller show. It's like a it's like a B movie. You tell me the creator of Mad Men has been out there saying I'm the best. Are you kidding? Have you heard the know. creator of Mad Men? The guy also no. wrote for Sopranos, by the way. Why would I? Really good episodes. I'm not, I'm not out there listening to. Okay, the well, you maybe, of TV, maybe you should, no. then you know, and you wouldn't have to ask. Sorry that I don't that. know. <laughs> I guess I don't know what Matthew. I mean, Mad Men. The, the, I think the. I agree with you that the response to both shows is very, very similar in that way, and I. But uh, I wouldn't say that. I just think that's a mis misinterpretation of what Breaking Bad is. Like Breaking Bad is not trying to be. I was going to say it's not trying to be prestige TV. It is prestige TV, but it's not, it's Definitely not, but it's not prestigious. It's not in the same way that <laughs> Mad Men is like, Mad Men is like trying to be like a slow, slow paced on purpose drama. And uh, Breaking Bad is not that. Breaking Bad is a fucking action movie compared to, to Mad Men. I mean, there's, you know, it's literally like, it's, it's like a high octane compared to Mad Men. Mad Men is like, you, you check the fucking pulse of Mad Men. I mean, it's fucking brutal. <laughs> <laughs> and all that shit in the first season about him stealing the identity of that guy, and it goes fucking nowhere. Fuck Mad Men, dude. I fucking hate John Hamm. I hate Mad Men. Sorry. <laughs> can't do it. Won't do it. That's won't fine. Do it. All right. Sorry. Anyway. I can't go back to coach now. Yeah. I can't. I won't. I won't. Uh, Kids in the <laughs> Hall, Brain Candy. Okay. What'd you guys think? Now, now, now Kevin's seen this before, so maybe JR, what'd you think? Um, I was amused. I thought this was funny. I, I laughed and I chuckled and, 
I thought it was uh, very dumb and it has barely any narrative, but uh, you know that didn't matter. And clearly, that wasn't the point. Um, I think uh, it starts off great with this sort of uh, tracking shot, and maybe it was sort of clipped together. And now I can't remember. Um, kind of taking us, introducing us to these uh, these kind of bit characters that we'll get to know, and they're again like setting up how we've we've got these multiple characters from this uh, sketch troupe all, all being played by the sketch troupe and um i liked those characters i liked a lot of the jokes not everything worked and that's okay because they were throwing a lot of shit at the wall that's it yeah i agree they were throwing a lot of shit at the wall i do agree with that i can uh i'll say i'll be the uh opposer here uh, you know, and I should apologize to Kevin in advance because I know that he just loves this thing. Uh, now, uh, well, what loves the kids in the hall? Jr. <laughs> laughed and chuckled. At this I can say, and I don't say this to be a troll at all, but I did not crack a smile at this movie. Nothing in this movie was amusing at all to me. I don't know. I honestly don't even know. Which I would love to know what parts Jr. thought were funny. Like, what was funny in this movie, Jr.? Give me one. Oh, um, first time you meet Retaro, and uh, is that his name? What? The pharmaceutical guy. God damn it! Anything related to the medicine, you you seem to not remember, which I love. Um, the assistant's name was Marv. The uh, main guy's name, names? I'm pretty sure. I mean, is, <laughs> I don't know. Or Ro- is it Rorator or yeah, Rorator is the main guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's like the, the CEO, right? Rorator. And the company. Um, Rorator. Look, I I enjoyed him. I enjoyed uh, you know every time he mentioned stummies, everyone would grab one. Thought that was great. Um, I liked the effect of the medicine that made me smile, and I liked uh, where the medicine went. I liked the uh, party within the party. I, I'm getting specific here for jokes, but you know I had jokes that worked um, well i guess i guess i guess like okay like the first that track it is shot at the beginning. yeah Rorator. that tracking shot at the beginning now who wasn't paying attention um <laughs> like like the way that ends in the, like rock, the rock star the rock yeah. concert with the guy in the overalls i liked him okay <laughs> keep going <laughs> I, the, no it's fine I, I don't understand what is supposed to be funny about that like his, except for, I mean, I get like the sort of like very, very basic, like, you know, he's like sad, you know, and like he's making sad rock music. I get it. But like, I don't know why that's funny. And then they cut to the audience and there's one of the people, I don't know which one it is, in drag with two women. And they're like talking to each other. And there's no joke. They're just, it's just a guy in drag talking. And it's like, I don't, what is... What's the funny? I don't understand. Like, it's just, it's supposed to be funny because there's a guy in drag. That's funny. I don't remember this. Mm. But, probably. What's funny about a guy dressing up? It's like 1940s comedy. I mean, what is funny about that? Okay. I think you're taking this a little, I think you're taking this a little too seriously. Like, I mean, they're trying like to make the, me laugh. The, the, right? com- the comedy, comedy is, right? is like, you know, yeah, he's the one who's like acting like a 12 year old. Not is the he? drag part. Yeah. Oh my god! Da, 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 da. Yeah. That, yeah. I, okay. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's yeah. not. I guess women, I didn't, women I didn't obsessed find with sad that funny. Yeah, okay. that's not. I don't know. That didn't work for me. And then the. I mean, I don't know. It's just. It just. You know what? It felt like. It just felt like every bit 
was like hardly a bit. It was like hard. There was hardly there were hardly jokes that were thought out in this movie, and it seemed like ninety percent of it was like, if you are into this, if you are into Kids in the Hall, and you've watched their show, and you like these people and the characters that they create, then you will just automatically like this, and it doesn't really matter. They don't have to try very hard because you're just going to be on board for the ride. Sort of like Jr. with Mad Men, right? He watches Mad Men the first season. He's just like, you know what? I like this, so it doesn't matter if it gets any better. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, that's why I thought about. It. I was it like, did get better. Oh, sure, sure, it did. Anyways, it's just like uh, that's that's the way it felt to me. And I was like, I don't have any experience with the kids in the hall outside of like that one skit that I uh, texted to Kevin, which I did find amusing about the Citizen Kane thing. Mm. And there's just like oh, okay. <laughs> not much in here. That is even like thought out that much, and there's really not much to that sketch. I mean, that's just I, a really basic idea that they just sort of drive into the wall. But it's like this doesn't even have that going for it. It felt like to me. And then I I was reading reviews online of this, and they were like, I mean, not review like like letterbox reviews. Mm. And they were saying like this movie is about the pharmaceutical industry, and like they're trying to read all sorts of like no, heavy not, shit into not, it. Yeah, and I was not. like, what are you talking about? This is like the most. It's like the stupidest comedy, and I'm sure that that that's what they were going for. They were going for stupid comedy. I get it, but it's just like, boy, talk about a comedy that did not work on any level for me at all. And I mean, I wa- I was ready. I was ready to laugh. I was ready to find this amusing. And I like Dave Foley. And I think he's very funny in certain uh, certain aspects. But man, everything that happened in this was just uh, like his whole his character where he's the like the the lab tech guy and he just wanders in and he. He like tries to engage with the group and they're like, who are you? And then he's like, I, it was cringy, man. I was like, what? I was like, ah, I, I had to look away. It's clearly a joke about how he had already quit the troupe and was contractually obligated to be oh in the movie. God. So they didn't have a spot. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to know that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, d- I doubted it. Actually, that, I I, that according after. to Wikipedia, that actually yeah. it happened. I, I read that of, in the IMDb trivia afterwards, yeah. but I don't mm. thought about I, that. I don't know, man. I and look, this could be look before we get Kevin in here to to actually defend this thing and tell us why it's funny. <laughs> uh, Kevin, thank you for waiting outside. Um, I oh man, yeah, I, it could be like the the late night viewing. I was I was like, I'm not gonna take notes. I'm too tired. Oh, uh, I took notes. So I I'm just I you know I was kind of along for the ride, and I. Like again, not everything was funny, but like I was as amused, and nothing felt like cringy bad to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Minus like some, like like a whole I don't know, maybe just attitude about gay people that doesn't uh, has not aged well. Um, yes, and I will but, say uh, real quick, I will say that when I say cringy, like it was only that one thing that I found cringy. The Dave Foley that that one bit. Like I didn't say like every single attempt at comedy was a cringe fest. It just like the attempts at comedy just fell flat for me. That's all. Like they weren't like embarrassing or anything. They were just weren't funny. You know, like I was watching, I was like, I could see why people might find this funny. I could see like why, you know, if you're into the kids in the hall, you might find this funny. I shouldn't find it funny. That's all. Oh I did not find Cancer Boy funny at yeah, all. No. And apparently he was like a character who had been introduced in the show. I didn't I didn't really get him. Um I don't know, man. I just, yeah, again, it, everything just felt pleasant. Um, all right, Kevin, get, get in here. Get in here, Kevin. 
<laughs> okay, well, for, first of all, like, uh, Mad Men is not great. It's fine. Breaking, <laughs> Breaking Bad, I think, is better. But again, it's fine. Uh, and I... And, I gotta say, like watching watching this again, like I remembered very little about it except for like the very end when you know the the kid like goes up in the balloons, and the very beginning with the tracking shot, which I was like, oh, like it's uh, we're starting off with a touch of evil reference. Mm. Um, yeah, but like I I have to say, like watching watching this again like this to me it did not have the same spirit of the tv show and i did not really find it all that funny like there were there were things where i was like (laughs) um but like and like like that when they're doing the parade down the street when like uh scott thompson who's gay in real life like when he's actually you know like he's gay Mm -hmm. he's gay and then you know then when they you know drop him at the end of it who cares you know like that (laughs) was I enjoyed that. Um, uh, but yeah, like, I enjoyed uh, his denial th- a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I his thought, denial was funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I thought, you know, like it wasn't nearly as consistently laugh, you know, laugh filled as I would have thought. And like, yeah, I mean, you know, like the the whole like thing with, Oh, it's, you know, spoofing you know pharmaceutical companies like well yeah like obviously like like that's that's not some you know like deep revelation like it's fair it's fairly obvious what they're doing Um, nor is it very hard hitting exactly yeah um you know and yeah like i i feel like i don't know like i did i did hear that like you know because dave foley was doing news radio at the time like he wasn't as like that's why he doesn't have a writing credit. And I think like um from what I've heard about like him like um specifically like from Rogan who was on news radio with him like he was like a big deal with uh news radio in getting scripts like smoothed over and like you know better structured and that kind of stuff. So maybe it would have been better if, uh, Foley had been more involved, but, um, um, yeah. So yeah, I can't, I can't totally defend the film as, as much as some people might've thought or liked. Um, yeah, I mean, I sold the people a bill of goods here, Kevin (laughs) would come in here and explain it, but well, I, I, you know, I, I apologize. Um, I was I was very interested though like um the Mark McKinney who plays like you know the head of the pharmaceutical company like he is doing like the most blatant Lorne Michaels impersonation and it got me thinking like apparently like Dana Carvey did a Lorne Michaels impersonation and apparently Mike Myers ripped that off for Dr. Evil in the Austin Powers movies, and there was, like, a bit of a falling out between them. Yeah, Dana Carvey talks about that on Stern. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was... So I'm I'm wondering, like, like, Brain Candy came before Austin Powers, so I'm wondering, like, you know, like, I mean, you know, the two, the two of them probably, like, maybe they never saw the movie, but, uh, it's like, yeah, it's like, guys, like, your Lorne Michaels impersonations, like, aren't news you know like 
it's pretty easy to do a Lauren Michaels impersonation. I mean, <clears throat> Mark McKinney did it through the entire movie and it never you never suspected that he was anything else but this individual. Um, like, is Lauren is Lauren Michaels secretly into pharmaceuticals? He might be. He's probably rich be. enough. He's definitely rich enough to be, yeah. Might be into yeah. doing them. You know what I mean? <laughs> Staying up late because he's an old man. He's got to pop a couple, yeah. of, <laughs> couple of amphetamines. Yeah. I will yeah. say... Uh, Pops Gleaminex. Yeah, Gleaminex. I will say that yeah. uh, I thought it looked okay. Like, you know, it's shot mm. fairly well. And the direction is um, competent. And uh, I like the, the split diopter shots that they had in here. Mm. Um, like in the boardroom, they had a couple, uh, which were nice. I, you know, I it, like it. I was like writing down stuff where I was like, you know, okay, this movie's not good and I don't like it and it's not funny, but like, how, <laughs> like, how heavy do I want to go, you know? And I was like, you know, I could easily, like, you can point out there's a lot of shit in here that's like not okay anymore, right? And yeah, like, like JR's pointed out a couple of them, but like, it's like, like there's a there's a scene where one of them has brown face on, dude. It's like I yeah. mean Scott Thompson. How, yeah. How do they get like, away with Ooh. that? I mean that's in '96. I feel like that. You know, you you can't have brown face. Like that's just totally fucked up. Well, like it, it's it a serves thing no too. purpose either. Yeah, for sure. Like I, it's a thing of like I wonder, you know, because I wonder, like, like I don't know if you guys got to got a chance to watch that um, Matt Johnson interview that i sent you but like like he talks a lot about like you know the fact that there's like zero recognition of canadian cinema in the broader world you know and even like in canada there's very little recognition of canadian so like i wonder if it you know like that was a reason why like this didn't get seen more or you know like didn't get flagged because of because of the brown face or, or what um i don't know what the reviews yeah. were like at the time i mean yeah i mean like was this well received i don't even know um i feel like probably not yeah i mean this is it's also like uh i don't know this is like a, a movie that's completely disappeared and is out of the culture like i had to I had to download it. Um, my library doesn't have it. It's not streaming. It's not available for rent anywhere online. Um, wasn't it? Wasn't it a flop? I'm gonna assume so. I'm the, looking right now on the Wikipedia page yeah. with them. It cost the, eight million. It made two million, two point six. But yeah. So yeah, it was a flop. Yeah, forty four on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> not great. No, I mean, it makes sense. Sorry, like sorry, kids, kids. kids in the hall is a pretty niche, like even the show at the time, I feel like, you know, probably wasn't the, the highest rated, you know, or even among the highest rated in its sort of genre. Uh, Sis- Siskel right. and Eber were slit, split. Siskel gave the movie three and a half stars. Audacious, clever, very funny. Ebert claimed he did not laugh once. That's me. Awful, terrible, <laughs> dreadful, stupid, idiotic, unfunny, labored, forced, painful, bad. I agree. <laughs> I'm with Ebert all the way on this one. I'll tell you. Cisco said, he "Yeah, night cult film, which I don't believe it has." But 
Yeah, I I sincerely doubt that. Oh yeah, apparently there was some controversy over Cancer Boy. Um, yeah. Many found the character be ex- exceedingly poor taste. Paramount fought extensively to <laughs> for the troop to cut it to no avail. The group has expressed some regret over their hardline position years later, feeling the battle left Paramount bitter and reluctant to fully market the film. Well, maybe that was maybe that was a good thing because then there would be you know, in the controversy they don't list the birthface. So, because that was fine, I guess. The totally, yeah. I mean, Canada, you know, and that's so. I I guess like things that I would be totally fine removing, like it wouldn't change the movie. Like you wouldn't lose a funny joke. Um, you know, get rid of Cancer Boy, who was kind of just shoved in here in a couple scenes. Uh, it like doesn't serve any purpose, and the the cabbie, um. Which oh, is where yeah. we get the brown face, um, you know, a guy in the back of the cab. And the, the cabbie is not a funny character to me. No. Yeah, I, I would agree with and that. I, and I, I don't like that he sort of bookends the movie, like, with his narration. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I agree. <laughs> I think we're all in agreement on that. The yeah. the cabbie is brutal. Barutal. Yeah, he might be my least favorite character. No, Cancer Boy is. Uh, he's my other least favorite <laughs> character. That appears more than once. I did also hate the score, and it's not super present, but like the opening credits, mm. the the that sort of like late '90s Steven Soderbergh jazzy score. I it's that I hate that so much. <laughs> um, I, that's the only way I know how to describe it, but I, I really hate it. Like it makes my skin crawl when I hear that score or any score like that. And, uh, except for when it's in out of sight, then it's amazing out of sight. I box. was like, I was just thinking <laughs> yeah. like, does this guy hate the out of sight score? I feel like, no, like the out of sight score, you know, maybe it's just cause I'm blinded by how good out of sight is, but it works in that. I don't know why. But it does not work in any other film like that I've ever heard of. And I hate that <laughs> jazzy, like even like, you know, it's in Ocean's Eleven too. That's got that kind of, I fucking hate it. It's so gross. It just makes me, makes me cringe when I hear it. And uh, it was, in, <laughs> I hated it. Let's see who did the score here. Is the, uh, is just uh, Craig, James Horner. Craig Northey. Craig Northey. Don't he's, know done, that is. he's only done two scores. So there you go. Well, there you go. <laughs> Makes sense. Some, some Canadian was, musician. Yeah, this was his last. No, he did a movie called Being Canadian. That was his last thing. Oh, wow. A documentary about Canadian comedy starring hmm. Eugene Levy. Anyway, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> up good. Uh, uh, Brendan Fra- Academy Award winning winner Brendan Fraser is in this for some reason. <laughs> Well, he's also Canadian. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, don't think he, I knew that. Is that a good enough reason for him to be a can? I mean, he must be a fan, obviously. He could um, be a fan I, or I, like I yeah. maybe he went to drama school with somebody in the troupe. Who knows? Yeah, that's, that's possible. Um, he's in two, two. Well, he's in one scene and he's briefly seen again later. Now, apparently Janine Garofalo is in this. She's in the credits. Yeah. I don't remember yeah. her in it. I was wondering if, so she's credited as like woman at party. Yeah. And I was wondering if she's the person that walks up to, uh, to Chris, to Kevin, um, to Kevin McDonald, McDonald when they're, when they're looking at him 
when he's at the party within the party and they're looking at him on a screen and they see a woman walk up to him. I was wondering if that was Janine Garofalo. I think it might be. Garofalo. But, uh, I, just, I just give her Fs. I think what a I waste. Fs. <laughs> what a waste of her talent. I mean, why why even have her in it then? I don't know. And I, and I don't know. I don't know if that was her. I just don't know who else she could have been. Mm. I'm afraid I'm out of notes. Uh, this was uh, this was a this was a painful one for me. This was uh, oh, shit. You know, a lot of low hanging fruit. Oh shit! And uh, not uh, just didn't work. Yeah, I mean, watching it, I I knew right away. Like, okay, like I don't know. Maybe maybe John will appreciate some of the you know like more dour parts where you know like. Like that woman's, you know, happiest memory is like her kids showing up and her grandkids <laughs> being dickheads, you know, for like two seconds at Christmas. I gotta go. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I I knew I knew John wasn't gonna. This was not gonna be his cup of tea. I think um, you know that that scene. And fully with that uh, mustache and his attitude during that scene, might have come, <laughs> might have been the closest thing to making me crack a smile. Mm. <laughs> but I did not crack a smile at that scene. Yeah. Ratings? I'm gonna go half I a star. A Jesus! Yeah, wow! It was not. It's very, very little redeeming. I almost, I was like, could I give this a zero? But then I was like, you know. For it to be a zero, it'd have to like look really bad or something. Like, I mean, it's shot well and it's the direction is comp, and I can't give it a zero, but it's just you know it didn't work on any level other than that for me. So that's so, <laughs> I you know it's that's fine. Obviously, it's how you felt, but it's so like uh like I just don't when I don't like a comedy because I don't think it's funny, my head just does not not go there. And I know it wasn't just that it wasn't funny that was painful for you. But uh, or you make you're making it sound as well, such. I just I know I, I can't go that low on it, nor do I want to because I liked it. There's a movie not being funny, like the Jennifer Lawrence movie that we watched uh, from this year. Mm. <laughs> That's not a very funny movie, but at least it has a couple of moments that are like, you know, almost funny or sort of like make me chuckle a <laughs> little bit. Like this is like I watched this like that meme that you see of Emotep from the Mummy. You know, where it's like, um, you know, when my friends ask me to watch Friends and it's just like him, you know, like staring solemnly into the camera. Like, that's how I felt during this, you know. And it was like watching Friends. No, Friends is funnier than this, which is really sad. Friends now, is not funny at all. Sorry. I, I laugh at a couple of Chandler moments in the, in the history of Friends, man. I didn't laugh once at this. Oh. Uh. JR? Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, I'll go uh, with three, which is my enjoyable comedy rating default. Okay. I'm going two and a half because, like, I do I do appreciate the troop and I do appreciate, like, some of the things that they're trying to do. But, yeah, like, it was, yeah, it, I feel like it could have been so much better. Like, I've, you know, I'm sure they needed a better director and, you know, some some better writing to, you know, polish it up a little bit. And I don't know. It, um, you know. So the history yeah. of, uh, 
like sketch comedy troops doing movies. Uh, when does this work? Does this ever work? Is it? I can't think of many. Jackass one, two, three, and four. That is it. <laughs> We're still doing. <laughs> They're not, trying trying to do not really, it's not really They're a sketch just... comedy, I guess. But yeah, you know, yeah. Bad, I mean, bad grandpa was kind of funny, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, Monty Python, but like, I, I feel like that's an exception. Oh um, yeah, that's a big, that's a big one. Three, three big ones, I guess. Um, that's the question: is if you find that funny, though. Oh yeah, because you apparently did not think anything was funny in life of brian so life of I, brian I, wasn't, I, wasn't nearly as offensive as this and i remember <laughs> liking um my, uh holy grail a lot when i was a teenager but it's been a long time since i've seen that so who knows? okay yeah yeah um but yeah i mean yeah like holy grail life of brian and then meaning of life you know like all but i don't know like all of them have like so much more going for them than just necessarily the jokes because like you know, the the two Terrys were like, like their biggest in their biggest like film inspiration for Holy Grail was um, Pasolini, so <laughs> you know, um, I don't know if that necessarily comes across. You'd have to talk to someone who's seen more than two Pasolini films, like I have. But uh, what else is there besides Monty Python and Kids in the Hall? Uh, I don't know. I mean, well, the, I mean, do you do you want to count like the innumerable SNL things? I, I don't wouldn't. think you really do, because those aren't sketch comedy; those are based on single sketches. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we also don't include all of the cast. They include like you know two of the cast members or a few. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. And then like you might have like cameos like throughout, right. but uh, yeah, but um, yeah, like. Yeah, I guess I can't really think of many others. Uh, it's like, mm. would we count like the, like the super trooper people? Oh yeah, the broken lizard. Uh, sure, maybe. I guess. I know. I mean, they're now more like much better known for the movies than they ever were for comedy outside of those movies. But yeah, I mean, re- the the first Reno nine one one movie, the Miami movie, like that one was, you know. I remember laughing a lot. Um, but again, you know, it's like it's it's basically an extended episode where it's like, um, you know, you have like these vignettes of them around town getting involved in various things. Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sketch comedy. Yeah. Was. um. Was that Rick Moranis movie about beer? Strange Brew. Yeah, like is that like a Second City thing? Maybe. I don't think. Maybe. It's, I don't know if it's official. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. All right. Um, Jerry, you want to talk about the birds real quick? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was our. Uh, homework from last week. Sorry, I just ate chocolate. Um, and uh, it's a Hitchcock film. It's my fourth Hitchcock film that I've seen. I think. I think last week I said it was my third, but I had forgotten. I had we had watched uh, Notorious for the show. Mm. Yeah, so this is number four for me. 
rear window vertigo notorious and this and i considered watching psycho after this but i sort of just forgot about it um yeah uh you'd seen this obviously jr right uh yeah i'm pretty sure this is the third time i've seen it i think i saw it as a kid in college mm-hmm. now so this movie's really well made uh which is you know it's like it's hitchcock's so like obviously it's well made but like it looks really nice and the special effects are pretty good in this uh for 63 i mean solid stuff for I what yeah for i mean the, for the type of special effect it is doing i thought it was good yeah i agree it's, it's basically doing the like the driving the car on the like the fake backdrop but you know it's foregrounded (laughs) (laughs) um but i will say that the first say half hour of this movie is like you would think like the last half hour is what you would think of if you were gonna say the birds is fucking insane dude this crazy fucking movie about birds attacking people but i would argue that the first half hour is way crazier the amount of the amount of effort that Tippy Hedren's character goes through the trouble that she goes through to bring this bird to a, not a virtual stranger, a complete stranger. Oh yeah. <laughs> in order to impress another complete stranger who she wants to bang or something. I don't, you know, date I seems, guess. seems like it. Yeah. It's completely unreasonable. Shit. Like that she's like that sexy, sexy fight energy. Yeah. It's absolutely you know, absurd. And like, it was that talk about cringy. That's cringy. That's cringe behavior. Her on a boat going across a lake to bring a fucking bird to a child. She's never met. I mean, she would be arrested if this was 2020, but this was, this was the whole, (laughs) like, I loved this and I had no memory of this. She's insane. And I, yes, I loved, she is just like rich white girl incarnate. Um, mm-hmm. like, like she is only thinking about herself. Like when she goes to like the store in like the store thing to like figure out how to get to his house and stuff. Yeah. And they're like, well, you can use a boat. And she just kind of looks at him and he's like, uh, should I order the boat for you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> just like she, waiting. This for guy's him doing everything like, for her. All, all of that stuff with her, I thought was, uh, fantastic. And not to mention like the whole concept of like this guy saw her in court because of like a prank she pulled that fucked some people over and she's just like whatever <laughs> like this girl <laughs> is like this girl's a nightmare yeah uh, and i thought it ruled i thought that what, was great what what what's the okay and maybe you and maybe you you saw this i'm not always the best at pointing out like you know or like like mining themes from movies but like what's the resolution to that like to her care okay I'll I'll just come out and say it. I have no idea what this movie is about. I don't understand yeah. birds. I don't get what it Correct. means. Me and either. I and and it drives me nuts because the end of the movie, therefore, makes zero sense to me. Correct. Like, okay, so you're you're on the same boat. So you're on the same plane with me. What, <laughs> what you thought was a bug, I thought was a feature. Okay. By the end of this, like. <laughs> It, it, there it's even it's it's like it's metatextual to me because like there are moments where the movie is like almost introduces an idea 
And it's like, this is going to be the metaphor. Now it's going to make sense. And yeah. then it's abandoned and it doesn't. Like when the woman in the in the diner is like, they said this started when you came here. You're evil. It's your right. fault. Right. But then like that, it's clearly not the case. And mm-hmm. that's abandoned and never brought up again. Um, I don't. And it seems like, all right. So are we going to get some sort of comeuppance for Tippy Hedren's character? And it seems like, no, like we have the scene at the end with her and she sort of spends like the last 10 minutes of the movie just like dazed and in pain. Uh, they're trying to escape. And I, I think it's almost like intentionally, like there is nothing here for you to latch onto besides this is a scary fucking idea and the world is scary and there's nothing you can do about it except maybe you'll hear on the radio that there's enough time for you to escape and you'll drive away. Um, and, and I know it's not like, it is not satisfying in a At way all. that feels satisfying. <laughs> uh, and in like in the the end is is deflating for sure. Um, but I I liked I liked all of that. Uh, and and I had this is not a Hitchcock movie that I had particularly liked. Like I was never this was, was not lower, a, a lower this was not a four you? and a half star for me until this time. Like I was like this is just like it's fine. It has thrilling moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a scary idea. Yes. And I went to that thinking like, and I was like, Tippy Hedren's bad in it. That's what I remembered. <laughs> uh, and I, I don't think she's I, bad. I, you I, think she's bad yeah. this time? No, I love, I loved her. Yeah, she's it. good. I thought she was probably the best performance out of, out of everybody. Um, I, maybe I, I like Suzanne Plachette a lot. I was too. about to say her. I was like, I was really into her energy. Yes. Uh, and her looks. But, yes, yeah. so she's gorgeous, absolutely stunning. <laughs> um, but I did All not. All women have the same hairstyle in this. That bugged me. I didn't love Rod Taylor as Mitch. Uh, he, and... yeah, sorry. No, I was just gonna say Veronica Cartwright got on my nerves, but but it was cool seeing her <laughs> because she's. I just kept thinking of Alien. And I was like, oh, she's gonna be an alien in like fifteen years. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, she didn't bother me just because. Like I, I just there's a, some level of like if you're gonna make the kid be like a hysterical kid, we're mm-hmm. just we're gonna have a rough time. Um, I thought Rod Taylor was just like a like just sort of like Joe Schmo, which is like fine for the role it is, except that well, that's not true. It's fine for much of the role, except that he's supposed to be magnetic enough that she fucking stalks him. Yeah, to his hometown, <laughs> which makes zero um, sense, <laughs> and that he also has like this sort of like past love life thing going on with Suzanne Plachette, and it just that part all is didn't make any sense to me, uh, and like the fact that he still lives, uh, the fam the family home situation. I guess he doesn't live there. It's he said it's on the weekends. It's on the weekends. Never mind. The fact that, that she lives. Make is the one that's a bummer. Like she should die. She, Jessica Tandy or Tippy Hedren? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Tippy Hedren. Okay. Tippy Hedren deserves to die for going in the room that she goes in at the end of the movie. It makes no sense. There's zero reason for her to go into that room, and she just does it. It's like typical slasher movie behavior. It's like what um yeah. Neff Campbell talks about in Scream. They're always running up the stairs and they ought to be running out the front door, right? It's like she's going towards the noise. She well, knows of course. what the noise is. And earlier she <laughs> like <laughs> earlier she runs out the front door and locks herself in that phone booth when she could have stayed inside. And but she's still safe in the phone booth. Pretty safe. Uh, yeah, until mm. she has to be rescued from the phone booth. Well, that scene was 
like exciting. I mean, that was, oh, it was a, yeah. it's a little <laughs> bit like redundant because she keeps trying to get out and then this push back in by the birds like that got annoying but i liked all like the car running like, into the thing and blowing happen? up yeah exactly all the all the uh, effects and um that whole set pieces were a lot was really 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 good i thought also the movie's quite gory for 63 like that guy has his eyes poked out of the with the birds like yeah. that was fucked up man. that was a fucked up image for 1963 and like this movie that's not even rated like it's just like i can't believe they got away with that yeah, I mean, like, I think, like, probably the only other time that that was on screen was, like, um, there's that part in the the seventh seal where, like, like he walks up behind the guy and turns him around and, like, his eyes are missing and it's like, what do you have to say? Not much. In the seventh seal, you could argue, though, it's like, it's like they're not under the same sort of... Mm, uh, yeah, censorship that, that rules was... as, and in, 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 you know, in Sweden as, as the birds would be in Hollywood and the exactly, uh, yeah. ace code or whatever that was in force at this time but um mm-hmm. anyway but yeah i just thought it was really violent and gory for what it is and i do uh, the 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 birds pouring out of the chimney is i'm assuming that's an effect of some kind i don't know how they did that but it is like literally it worked as like a scary moment that shit is scary <laughs> absolutely terrible. i mean yeah. seriously terrifying well and that it I mean, the dinner scene before that I thought was great. We were kind of just getting like the the conversation tension. Um, mm-hmm. That leading into to that attack, I thought was was an awesome. I also did awesome need, couple sequences. I didn't need the dynamic between Tandy and Tippy Hedren. Like she's the disapproving mother, and Tippy Hedren comes in and is like into her son, and they 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 butt heads, and it's just like it just felt like. Do we need this? Like, isn't the movie about the birds attacking people? It takes it takes long enough for the fucking birds to attack. Not to after they attack. Now we've got to have these long scenes where Tippy Hedren's making up with Jessica Tandy. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, let's let's see the birds <laughs> attack some more people. I was in. I was in. Or she were. You love Hitchcock. <sighs> yeah. He can do no I do. wrong in you. I well, no, he he did. He's this guy loves done, family plot. He's he's, he's done plenty wrong. wrong. He's done plenty wrong. Uh, or he did plenty wrong. But I, this is one where he got more right than I initially had assessed. Have you seen so all of Hitchcock's go, films? I think I've seen all the features that he made. Yeah. Uh, I think I've seen all the features that he made, like, since 1930. I don't oh, know that okay. I've seen every silent. I haven't seen the silence, I see. Mm. You know, my kids, um, my students, we did a thing called Literature Circles as our final unit where they had to choose a novel to read. And um, one of the novel choices was Rebecca by De Maurier, and uh, a lot of the kids mm. chose it. And I was trying to convince them to watch the Hitchcock Rebecca, even though I haven't seen it. But I was like, you know, it's probably it's got to be better Lawrence than the Levin. Ben Wheatley one, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. of course they all watch the Ben Wheatley one because it's on Netflix and it's easy <laughs> access, and it's new. It's not in black and white, you know. Yeah. Lame. Yeah, that is lame. Yeah. Yeah, that one had um, yeah it's, Olivier it's and there. George Sanders. Oh yeah. Well, anyway, um, yeah. I mean, I like the birds. I think I'd I would definitely give it another shot uh, later on down the road, and might feel totally different about it. Um, just got such a low rating for me. I mean, I gave it a three because I just hate that ending so much. <laughs> I really do. Just the way it ends <laughs> is so brutal and. Um, 
I felt like just the pacing maybe, you know, like takes too long for things to sort of get rolling and it doesn't, it sort of just doesn't feel like it knows what it is. And like, if you remade the birds now, it would obviously be like a train wreck and a horrible movie. But if you, it's like, if you remade it with today's pacing, like the birds would attack and, you know, probably in the first scene, you know, and then it would be like, Mm. you know, which I don't have, I don't, I don't want that necessarily. I would just like for it not to be like an hour into the movie before things start happening. You know, we get who Tippi Hedren is in the first scene. We don't need, 25 minutes of her stalking some guy to to understand her character but mm. whatever you know do. maybe we do maybe <laughs> maybe i'm wrong i always i always defer to i'm wrong usually with <laughs> these kinds of like <laughs> filmmakers you know in these sort of classic films i'm like well somebody they're seeing something here that i'm not seeing so i just, I just think it makes the birds a, a really unique and weirder movie than than even it's like just reputation as as mm-hmm. A basic thriller, a, a basic masterful thriller. I feel like that's what, what people see and care about. And I was like, this is so strange. It is weird. And wonderful. I agree. Mm. All right. Uh, Kevin. Okay. So I'll go through. Uh, I watched a few Kurosawa movies. So. All of these were rewatches. Uh, went back through uh, Ikiru and Sanjiro and Scandal, and like I, I found that I enjoyed uh, Sanjiro better than uh, Yojimbo. Um, and a whole lot of that is down to like uh, Tatsuya Nakadai's like that guy. Like I don't know, just watching all of like Kurosawa's movies, like you see, like you know, it's basically the same people in like all of his movies and like you, you see them play like such vastly different characters in like each one of them. So, but yeah, like the way, the way Nakadai is able to like, like he's got like the bald cap and he's like able to like, really like, like the way he like acts with his eye, you know, with his eyeballs is insane. Like he just is able to like convey so much just through them. And then, you know, you have the rest of his face and his voice to add into that performance. So, yeah, like just solid movies. Um, Scandal is fine. It's like kind of one of those like like in the 50s, like Kurosawa is doing, you know, like you've got like Rashomon and uh, Seven Samurai and, you know, like the name movies that he's like known for and then you have like sprinkled throughout like the smaller like I don't know like domestic dramas that he was also doing um but uh but yeah I've got uh two more two more Kurosawa movies that I have not seen at all and then I started uh rewatching The Idiot but I didn't get very far um, but yeah, eventually I'll have gone through all of them and, um, then I will be able to say that I've seen all of Kurosawa's movies <laughs> and, you know, many, many people will care. <laughs> uh, you know, I will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'll be interested to see the, the ranked list. Well, I mean, you know, I, th- you know, th- I'm sure this will be nothing, you know, super surprising. Throne of Blood is for sure we're at number one um 
but yeah, oh, so. I mean that is surprising to me. I wouldn't like I wouldn't put that at number one. So that's interesting. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it twice. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, have you I, seen a lot his of it, other movies? A lot of it has to do with. Hmm? Okay. It's like you say that like you haven't seen his other movies, which are better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're all they're all fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, like I'm I'm not making I'm not making like, you know, value judgments. I like for me, a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, it's Macbeth and, you know, it's a play that I have history with. So Sure. I think that's I think that's that's why maybe it's not number one for me. It's because maybe I'm too like you know, I'm close to that play also. Um and I that's feel That's why like, you don't like the bed sleep well. You're too close to Hamlet. I honestly, I was not when we watched the bad sleep. Well, and now I am considerably more familiar with Hamlet and I probably should watch it again. Um, cause yeah, I've, I can, I mean, I can recite monologues from soliloquies from Hamlet. So I, uh, I should probably, you know, I'm very, very familiar with it, but, um, that'll, that'll dissipate over time. We're doing Macbeth from now on. So, oh, sure. uh, well, what's that? We it's haven't like- started yet. We're starting in January. It was just like a mm. switch for like to oh, keep it from um, getting stale. No, we had a, a, a curriculum switch. We have a new textbook. Oh, and it's Macbeth now. It's not Hamlet. Textbooks? What the fuck? Wow. They're like they're like uh, textbook size workbooks. I mean, they can the kids can write in them and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, when when I was in a uh, when I was a senior, uh, Hamlet was. Uh, one of the summer reading books, and then we did uh, Macbeth like during the actual mm-hmm. year. It used um, to be that Macbeth was eleventh grade and Hamlet was twelfth, but now uh, okay, it's all fucked up. Like I don't even know what they're doing in eleventh grade anymore, and I don't have access to any well, of those. Eleventh grade was typically like American literature, mm-hmm. but when I was in high school, it was American literature except for when we did Macbeth. Which made no fucking sense. <laughs> they have to fit Shakespeare in there. There's no American equivalent to Shakespeare. So dumb. Well, just yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I don't know that we need Shakespeare every single year of hey, high school, but hey, whatever. How dare you? <laughs> He's the. Bard. I mean, you have to. Yeah, I mean, like I I would say that like yeah, I mean at least like you know at bare minimum like you know, like I don't think you need like you know a lot of the. Uh, a lot of the histories or the comedies, but like you, you definitely need like, you know, the big, yeah. I mean the big two Hamlet and Macbeth. Um, sure. Like, and Romeo and Juliet. In ninth but grade, okay. Give me, give me Romeo in ninth grade. Give yeah. me Julius Caesar in 10th grade. So I'm just going through what my high school well, that, was. That's what and all of those are. And then <laughs> yeah. I can do Hamlet and Macbeth in the same year when I do British literature in 12th grade. Yeah. I think let me, like let, over, me let America be now. a, America. Actually, JR just totally overwhelming because there's there's like fucking Chaucer and shit that goes with it and fuck all that. I would we don't do Chaucer anymore. I said I put my foot down about Chaucer because uh, the Canterbury Tales is in the textbook and I was like I'm not teaching the Canterbury Tales. So like so you, we, you, you guys, stupid. I told the other twelve years she's like if you want to teach that you can. I'm not teaching that. I will use another unit. Like there's no way I'm teaching that. <laughs> I'd rather be dead. It's the so worst. fucking miserable. It's awful, dude. Anyway, we I mean, should really uh, 
Oh, we yeah. get back to the it's, show. Yeah. Guys. Check out this comedy that worked 500 years ago and doesn't make any sense anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's all about rape and incest and shit. Too. Sorry. It's brutal, man. Um, mm. All right. Well, Jerry, you want to go next? Yeah, I only have one movie uh, oh that I want to talk about. <laughs> I only watched like a few and like. Well, now you're off. So now it'll be a, a, a torrent by next time. Right? Yeah. There's just, yeah. you know. Like, what am I going to say about the Exorcist movie? It fucking it sucked. It was a waste of time. Cool. Uh, I walked. I watched a few, you know, like vaguely interesting Criterion movies. But yeah, I uh, the only thing I have much to say about is, and not even that much to say about is May December. Um, the Ton Haynes mm-hmm. movie that was released on Netflix a couple of weekends ago, and um, Natalie uh, Natalie Portman is a uh, an actor, uh, a not very good actor, the character, sorry, uh, who is going to portray um, a woman who broke up her marriage to uh, have an affair with a 13-year-old, went to prison, got out, and now is like in a married relationship with multiple kids with this guy who was 13 right so that's the uh, the may december uh romance uh, of the title uh and natalie portman again you know, shows up and basically doesn't stay with the family but stays in the town is with the family all the time and um you know trying to get into the head of this person who many julianne moore is this woman by the way uh who's many people see as like uh if not a monster, then a, a deeply problematic person. Um, and the dynamics get, uh, get fascinating. And, uh, I thought Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore were, uh, fantastic. And this guy, Charles Melton plays Julianne Moore's, uh, much younger husband. And I was like, I don't know who this is. Uh, but he was really good as well. He's young. He's younger than we are. Apparently, it was in a movie called The Sun is Also a Star, which is a movie I have also apparently seen. <laughs> so, so you do why, know who he is. <laughs> YA nonsense. I didn't recognize him at all. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, this is also, it's like it's a comedy, and uh, sometimes it's not clear that it's a comedy. And <laughs> it, it, like, just, you know, it's like, it's it's melodrama. But there is this, uh, the score is there to remind you that it is a comedy because uh, it's very over the top. And uh, I like the score, but I think your your mileage may vary, you know, with using a kind of ridiculous score as a, as a blunt instrument to, to just remind you uh, about how you should feel. And that makes it. That's not. That makes it sound like this movie is uh, is simpler than than it is. I think there's a lot of like complex emotional stuff happening here, uh, and I recommend it. Todd Haynes makes some good movies. I made it 15 minutes in, and I had to turn it off. So <laughs> my mileage certainly varies. <laughs> what? Yeah, I you got to. We don't have enough it. hot dogs and turn it off. No, I got past that. She showed up, and then there was like a scene where uh, the husband was looking up like nude photos of the actress, and I was just bored out of my mind. I was like, I get, I get what this is going for already, and it's not going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm out. So I can't do it. 
I only have so much time, and Sky. I've got a lot of other better movies to look at. So I'm not it's a big like, Todd Haynes fan anyway. You're just like, if there's like complex emotional stuff happening, you're just like, get me out of here. Bullshit. Get out. I don't Bull like it. Bullshit. Talk <laughs> about complex emotional shit. I'm going to talk about two films that are, are severely complex and emotional. One of which, can I start? Are you done? Yeah, dude, I'm done. Whatever. Is <laughs> is uh, Alexander Payne's return to form holdovers. And I think to call it a return to form is a little bit of misleading because uh, this is Alexander Payne's best film. Uh, he's never made something as good as this. And uh, it's quite, quite well done and funny and touching. And the acting in this movie some of the best of the year. I think, uh, Giamatti might be his best performance I've ever seen. The, the kid who's in it, Dominic Sessa, who, uh, is like a newcomer. He's like 21. He's only been in this and one other thing. And yeah, uh, he's extremely good. And, uh, everybody's talking about divine joy Randolph, who plays the, the, uh, the lone female character in the movie. And, uh, she's, quite good also and i think that you know i was leery i was going in i was like you know what everybody's talking about this woman's performance it's probably not going to be that good i hate women (laughs) they can't can't act they're not funny i didn't say that i'm just saying like i don't know who this woman is like you know who knows but uh she she won me over i mean it's 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 a it's a gut-wrenching some of her scenes and uh it's this movie about a a uh, curmudgeonly uh teacher at a boarding school in uh, says new england i don't really exactly know where they are but uh it's snowing it's christmas time and uh he's got to stay over with the kids who don't have anywhere to go for christmas and uh he tries to sort of like put them through you know like his idea of christmas vacation which is just like studying and reading a lot and doing class still and stuff like that and the kids hate his guts <laughs> you know and uh it ends up <clears throat> sort of like devolving into just him and this one other kid and the the uh the cook played by divine joy randolph and uh they're sort of like adventures together during this time and it's you know what it is this is a christmas movie and there and i was thinking about it after i watched this movie i was like this is a good christmas movie and there are no good christmas movies Give me one. There's no good Christmas movie. What? What is a good? I mean, you know, there's good like home. I could watch Home Alone without vomiting. You know, like it's <laughs> it's funny at moments maybe or something. But it's not good. Like it's not a great film or anything. You know, this is a great film that is also a Christmas movie, which is like un, insane to me. I can't even. There's nothing that's like that for me. I mean, I know a lot of people say It's a Wonderful Life is like amazing. I hate It's a Wonderful Life. It is. <laughs> Uh, completely annoying and terrible and uh, not my thing at all. And this is just like, um, like genuine characters with genuine emotions and genuine motivations. Uh, And there, and there is like this weird sort of like spirit of Christmas thing. That's, that's, that's in this movie. It's not never mentioned. It's never talked about, but it's there, you know, like these people learning life lessons, which is like, could, could, could come off as like insanely corny and ridiculous, but I'll tell you, it really works in this one. And I liked it a lot. And I highly recommend it. And I might rewatch it before 
I make I, my five. I'm going to try to bump it up to a five. I'm going <laughs> to watch this December 29th because that's the day it lands on Peacock. Oh, you missed miss the Christmas, bud. Download it. Watch it now. Got to get that Christmas spirit in you. I can't. You know, Renee's, Renee and I are both out of school next week. So, like, I just I can't get to a theater next week, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Or this weekend. I said download it, JR. <laughs> oh, I mean, this isn't uh, yeah. the theaters any, anymore. Maybe right. Or you I, could take her to see Migration. Here to see Wish, man. I saw Wish also. She, like, she can't make it through a movie yet, or at oh, least not at home. home. Mm. She just turned three last week. Oh, yeah. I didn't take uh, a million this year, so. She, yeah. Renee, like, now Renee knows who. A couple of like the frozen princesses are Elsa so, like, and yeah, Anna. She got like Anya? these like she like this blanket like her grandmother gave her like a frozen blanket. Mm-hmm. She never seen Frozen. Amelia so has she's, that like, too. But now she's like, I want to, <laughs> I want to watch Frozen now. Well, she yeah. can only make it like twenty minutes into Frozen before she's like, well, this isn't Miss Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> I want, I want that. Amelia watches both Frozen movies weekly at least. Wow. And, and Tangled. I, Tangled nonstop. Uh, I love Tangled. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not a fan. Well, but, you know, it's all right. Amelia likes it. I like it. It's okay. Well, and, and I, I'm not excited about the idea of one day, you know, my daughter watching shit on repeat that I love and get sick of. But I happen. was worried about that with, okay. uh, with Barbie because she likes Barbie a lot. Mm. And uh, her mother bought it on the iTunes and put it on her iPad for her. So now I'm thinking like, and I was thinking like, Oh, you know, I could have like, I have access to Barbie. Like I could watch Barbie with her, but I was like, I don't want to watch Barbie like multiple times a week. You know, like I like Barbie. I don't want to not like it anymore. Yeah. You know, scary. Mm. But anyway, Kevin, uh, let's see. So finally got around to watching uh, Yee Yee, first Edward Young movie. Um, I enjoyed it. A little long, but I thought it was, you know, it's still good. Um, yeah, I'll just do like a couple others real quick. Like uh, Sharon and I watched this movie on uh, Netflix, Fry Bread Face and Me. Um I think it's a good like that's on Netflix. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's it's a good it's a good solid like kids movie for like introducing, you know, like stuff about like indigenous um, characters and, um, you know, attitudes and culture, that kind of thing. Um, And then I watched the Ballad of Narayama, which was uh, pretty bleak. Fuck yeah. Uh, yeah, really, really pretty bleak. So, like, so Naoriyama is this uh, mountain somewhere in, in Japan, and it's tradition to, like, when you're, um, when your parents get old, you bring them there and you leave them. And it's, like, it's uh, about this one woman and, like, the fact that she hasn't gone there yet, even, and, you know, like, um, you know, like it's apparently like a 
dire shame that she hasn't been brought up there. But like, you know, her son's like, you're my mother and I love you and I don't want to like, just leave you on a mountaintop. Um, and like various, various other things that happen with like, you know, like her dumbass grandkid and, um, yeah, it's good. It's, uh, like, like it, it definitely rivals, um, uh, Quidan with all of the like insane sets that are yeah. going throughout this movie. It's like the, the Kabuki style, uh, mm. sets. I, I was like obsessed with the way that this movie looks. Um, yeah. And there's a, have you seen, or do you know about, there was a, another version of this by Shoei Imamura in, in the eighties. Mm. And I would say it's like, you know, it's definitely going for like something much more emotionally raw. And also it's Shoei Imamura. So it's like, you know, off, not, not super tasteful. <laughs> um oh <laughs> and it's like it's like it's okay but also it is a much more like modern version that i i know a lot of people really like uh, okay it's also long yeah as far. anyway mm. um the the 58 version you watched that was the same director as a the Japanese movie I talked about last episode, a legend, or was it? Uh, right. Yeah. Kinoshita. He's a, he's a guy. He's a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like he did, he did some good, some good stuff. Mm. What's the movie ballad of Nariyama? That's a criterion. Right. Right? Yep. I believe so. I have uh, never seen that. So maybe I'll have to check it out. I haven't seen quite yeah. on either, though. So I mean, you know, it has some pretty complex human emotions. Oh my like, god, dude! Don't fit nice into a Christmas guy. movie. This fucking guy! How oh, dare you? Well, last but certainly not least, uh, you know, obviously I take issue with the, you know, there's no good Christmas movie because you know, like Tokyo Godfathers exists, um, you know, and like, like um, okay. Is that yeah, a Christmas and, uh, movie? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't it, understand. It's 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 de- it won't you know. Is it a is it a Christmas movie like Die Hard's a Christmas movie and like yeah? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean no. it's 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 it deals with like Christmas like miraculous stuff happening. So like I would say you know Tokyo Godfathers definitely fits into the okay. the Christmas movie thing, and, and also like, like it makes sense that. I didn't think of that as a Christmas movie because it's also very much like a just a, a Japanese anime movie, which yeah I, I do not associate the two together. Indeed, yeah, they, don't, they don't celebrate Christmas in Japan, Jr. Uh, that that wasn't my point, but <laughs> go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and and yeah, like you know, like I've seen it a bajillion times, like uh. I still keep finding new and interesting things in Muppet Christmas Carol. And, you know, like just, you know, like, like I was, you know, talking, talking to my brother about it. Like, you know, there's like, like, I think it's, you know, I think it's more effective than any, you know, like of the more straight laced adaptions of a Christmas Carol, because like, 
you have all this like obviously insane goofiness going on, but that only makes like the hard the hard stuff, you know, like um like you know, just the just horribleness that is Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, plus, you know, the death of a child and all that kind of stuff. Like it just makes it more like it hits you harder because you've had like this juxtaposition of like joy and then you can see the sadness that happens. So, yeah, I mean. Nice. I will uh, have to check this one out. I still haven't watched, you know, Paprika and Metalinum Actress either. So I'll have Mm. to uh, check out all three of these. For sure. Perfect Blue Rocks. So. (laughs) Did you ever finish Paranoia Agent? You know, I didn't. Uh, No reason, though. I should have. Mm. I think I... I was watching it when I was living uh, at the condo with Rustin, and then I moved. And I think I just, mm. you know, the move sort of reset everything, and I stopped watching it. But, yeah, I should finish it. I think only, I probably only had, like, two episodes left of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was enjoying it. Anyway, mm. JR? I'm done, dude. I'm out. Oh, right. You already told me I couldn't talk about Fargo, so... <laughs> You can talk about whatever you want. I don't man. want to talk about Fargo. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, no. I watched Maestro by Bradley Cooper. Just another uh, complex emotional portrait of a real life figure in the arts. Um, <laughs> I don't believe it. I, uh, I do. I, I want to see I it. really, really liked Maestro a lot. And um, I think I was trying to figure out why it worked for me so well. And I think it's because it's not really about what a typical, what you would expect a, you know, a biopic or like a memoir pick of Leonard Bernstein to be about. You would expect it to be about like his, you know, his work with music and like his brilliance or his genius or something. And like, that's there, but this movie is so much just about his relationship with uh, his wife played by Carrie Mulligan, Felicia Montalegra, uh, and his, you know, his living a double life, like being, uh, being gay while also being married to this woman and spoiler alert, I guess bisexual. I mean, well, it's in the trailer, but bisexual, he's like, you know, he's into both of them and he's, he's obviously, um, in love with his wife, but also, you know, attracted to young men. And, uh, it's like way more about their relationship, uh, like the beginning of it and how it deteriorates over time because of that, than it is about his sort of musical ability or anything. And, I, and it's just like really does a great job of sort of sets up in three different time periods, um, like the first, second, and third act, I guess, or like in different times. And like it's they meet, and then it's like their marriage is like you know sort of it's like the forties they meet. They're both very young. It's black and white. Uh, it's shot in, you know, like 133 to 1 uh, ratio. I think the whole movie might be, though, now that I think about it. But, um, and uh, they fall in love and they get married. And then it cuts to, like, you know, what I assume to be like 20 years later. It seems like it's in the 60s. And they don't give you time periods for any of this. And uh, they're, they've been married for a while. They have kids now. 
uh, he's obsessed with his career. He's trying to get his music done. He's also, you know, uh, you know, cavorting around with men on the side and trying to sort of keep it quiet. But she's more concerned that he's not keeping it quiet enough and it's going to hurt their family and hurt their reputation and things like this. And then uh, cuts forward a little bit later to the like 70s where he's like older. Maybe the 80s, actually. Anyway, and, uh, you know, a lot of things have changed for him in his life and his career. And it's just uh, really, really well done. Well, I mean, I keep saying every movie's well done. This movie's exceptionally well done. I know I said Oppenheimer was the best looking movie of the year, and it probably still is. But this is definitely a, a second, like a number two on that list. Uh, it looks amazing. Shot beautifully by Libatique. And, like, so different than Cooper's first film as director. Um a Star is Born, where everything was very, very like verite and documentary style and handheld cameras everywhere. There's like barely any handheld camera work in this. It's everything is like tracking shots or it's locked off shots looking into a room and things like this. It's all very, very personal and like um, close and uh, uh, just, I don't know, beautiful, beautiful cinematography. And the performances are amazing. Carrie Mulligan's great, but I will say Bradley Cooper's performance unbelievably good. Like, really good. His whole, like, he just captures this whole casual way of speaking as this character that's so real and genuine. And you could tell, like, he probably is lifting some of the dialogue from, like, like, because there's scenes where he's being interviewed by the press, and he's like, he's probably lifting this from, like, a TV interview that you could look up on Netflix or on YouTube or something, you know? But it's like, it just works so well. Like, it just looks very real. It's like, it's sometimes when movies do that, and they have a, a character just sort of speaking something that that you could look up the, the actual person saying, you know, in an older clip, sometimes that doesn't work so well. It feels stilted. But on this, it feels completely natural and right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's I, far and away Cooper's best performance. And I think it's definitely like a maturation of him as a director. It's much more interestingly directed than A Star is Born, which I also didn't dislike at all. I liked A Star is Born a lot. And, uh, but this is better. And it continues a, a streak for him, which is making a film where he is the star ostensibly, but it's really about the female lead. It's not really about his character. It's about Carrie Mulligan's character, you know, just like in a star is born. It's not really about his character. It's about Lady Gaga's character, you know? And it's like, she's, she comes off as the second lead and Carrie Mulligan is probably billed second here, but she's the really, you're following her. It's her story. It's not really Bernstein's story as much as it's hers. It's wonderful, and I would highly recommend it. And, uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Nice. I'll watch this tonight as I'm falling asleep, since that seems appears to be what I'm doing right now. Just kidding. <laughs> I wa- I'll watch it this weekend, though. I do want to see this. And since mm. uh, since uh, Kevin powered through a few... Kevin, do you have more? No, that's it. Okay, I'm going to power through the rest of mine real quick then. I watched Priscilla, the Sofia Coppola movie from this year about Priscilla Presley and her relationship with Elvis. Um, and uh, I did not like this movie very much. Uh, I think it just suffers from like, maybe it's budget. It looks like shit. Like it's horribly shot. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, looks very digital. It looks, it looks, it has the same exact aesthetic and this is going to be really like inside. I don't know if everybody's going to relate to this, but 
this has the exact same aesthetic and look as those early 2000s straight to video serial killer movies. Like that's Ooh. what it reminded me of. The, the cinematography reminded me so much of those movies. It's crazy. Like the an John, example, John Wayne Gacy movie. Uh, oh, there's yeah. a movie called Dahmer. There's all oh, the Dahmer actually looked better than most of them. There's another movie called Ted Bundy. It looks a lot like <clears throat> Ted Bundy. You go back and watch Ted Bundy. I don't know if they're, <laughs> I mean, Linus Sangren uh, shot this, I think. Let me look at that. Let me make sure. No, not, not Linus Sangren. <laughs> I'm getting confused with Saltburn. Philippe LeSound, who is her guy, I guess, for the last few movies. And he shot seven pounds. I don't know. I mean, and he shot the Grandmaster, which I remember people saying looked really nice. But, uh, yeah, Mm. uh, but this one does not. And honestly, like, the Beguiled, I thought, looked okay, as if if I recall correctly. But this does not look good. And I know it was shot digitally. And I think this is, like, her only her second film that she's ever shot digitally. Was the uh, Rashida Jones one digital? I assume so. It wasn't, actually. Well, what I read was uh, the Bling Ring was. spent film money on that? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) I read that the Bling Ring was her last digital film, and that's shot by Harris Savid, so I'm sure it looked fine. Um, I I, I didn't expect this to be the problem with Priscilla, I'll, I'll be honest. Okay, it's not the only problem. I haven't seen it. It's not the only problem, JR. Uh, No, yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the real problem is that this is just like a story you've seen a million times and it's very like, sort of like Elvis is very one dimensional in this, you know, he's an abusive partner and Priscilla is the, you know, put upon, uh, wife of the abusive partner who finally gets the strength to say enough and leave one day. And it's just sort of like a generic, very, very generic you watch this and you realize, oh yeah, Sofia Coppola, I forgot. She has like no actual voice. Like she's not, she's not an auteur in the fact that like you watch, you could, you, you know, you always know it when you're watching a Sofia Coppola movie. Not really. Right. Like there's nothing like what's her stamp. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what her, her, uh, her thing is. Introspection. You know? I guess. But I mean, there's like a million people who do quiet introspection. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It's not, it's not. And I, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to dump on Sofia Coppola. Like a lot, I like a lot of her movies, but none of them are great. And this one, I mean, I, I like Virgin Suicides might be great, but this one's definitely not great. This one's bottom of the barrel for me. It's worse than on the rocks in my opinion. Um, Whoa. Mm. although I will say that the performances are fine. Like nothing wrong with them. And except maybe like Kaylee Spaney who plays Priscilla, she sort of has to go big, big a couple of times and it's. Maybe she's not ready for it. Uh, Jacob Alordi, though, who plays Elvis, he's pretty good. He's playing a very subtle, he's doing the accent very, very subtly, not the Austin Butler version of this, which I also thought was good, but this is like a way more like subtler take on who Elvis is um, as a caricature, I guess, uh, which I appreciated. And I like Jacob Alordi. I mean, he was in, uh, he's in uh, Euphoria. He's great in Euphoria. And he's also he's, great. Oh, yeah, okay. In Saltburn, which I also watched, uh, which is directed by Emerald Fennell, who did uh, Promising Young Woman a few years ago, which I did not see. But, um, and this is a sort of another story you've seen before. Uh, mostly like the talented Mr. Ripley. Like this movie's pretty much the talented Mr. Ripley, except not, you know, not good. <laughs> This movie has the potential to be good. Like it's, it's about this character Barry Keoghan plays named Oliver 
and he goes to Oxford and he befriends Jacob Elordi's character Felix, and they're like, and Felix is like hyper rich, like he comes from this very wealthy family who has like an estate in England, and it's like it looks like you know Versailles, like it's massive, and they've got dozens of butlers and stuff, and uh, he sort of like befriends him and he invites him to their estate, and they spend time there, and then. Uh, Kyogen's character is really like nuanced. Like there's a lot of shit going on with him. Like he's, he's quiet and he demurs to everyone around him. But then he also like in, in these, in like moments where it's just him with one other person, he'll get very like sort of demonstrative and like, um, threatening and then and sexual, which is weird. And he also is like, obviously super into Felix, like in a sexual way. And uh, that leads to like these sort of, as I said earlier, just like really provocative moments that are, they, they feel like they owe a lot to, um, like it's, it feels like Emerald Fennel was watching Call Me By Your Name was like, I can, I can go more intense than that. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, he eats a cum, cum covered peach. Watch this. Hold my beer, you know? And then it's like, and it's just like so unnecessary and it doesn't even come off as real. And I was actually talking to, uh, Jonathan and Rustin about this earlier tonight. And I was saying, you know, like, like that moment in call me by your name is like, it's, it's on its surface. It, it's repulsive, I guess, to some people and like gross. Um, but it's like, it also illustrates something about the relationship between the two men, like that they're obsessed with each other and that they're very, very, very much into, into one another. And this, like the thing that, Barry, the, the the different things that Barry Keoghan does to demonstrate his obsession with Felix are just sort of like over the top gross and <laughs> and like you know not I mean we get it you know that he's maybe do one of the things he does like four different things that are really intense so I don't know and it's just yeah, it just didn't work for me. And there's a, there's a, I, I thought, you know, towards the last 15 minutes of the movie, I was like, okay, this is going to be like a three, three and a half because it's a, it's a decent enough, like character study of this, this guy, Oliver, Barry Keoghan's character. But then there's a, there's a reveal in the last 10 or 15 minutes that is so undercutting to like everything that they built for the entire film. And I just found it so like insulting to my intelligence and uh <laughs> i was like really over it so it dropped significantly it dropped the whole star for me i think and uh yeah Oof. couldn't do it couldn't do it this is a uh, my sister-in-law texted me a couple of days ago mm-hmm. she like went to a theater and saw this movie uh she does not watch movies i yeah. i was mm. like how how did you end up at this um <laughs> but i told her i would watch it so i could talk to her about it so i guess i'm stuck I think you're going to watch uh, it. I mean, it's a, it's a big movie of 2023. I mean, people are talking about it. So. I don't know, but yeah, but I didn't like mm. Promising Young Woman. And, uh, you didn't? Yeah. yeah no. But, um, but apparently this showed up on Amazon Prime today, so That's at least true. it'll be easy for me to watch. And uh, Richard E. Grant is in this, and he's good in it. And uh, Rosamund Pike is quite – I mean, all the performances are solid. Um, the guy from uh, Gran Turismo is in this, the lead. Orlando Bloom? Okay. No, uh, Archie – Madekwe, 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 and Carrie Mulligan is briefly in it also. Hmm. Gran Turismo also showed up on streaming in the past week. Do it, do it. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun enough. I mean, it's not. You good. watched it? Yeah, I watched it. 
Did you no. talk about it? I don't, I don't remember think this. so. I don't think it's okay. worth talking about, but I mean, you know, mm. it's, it's okay. You know, it's a easy, it's super easy. It's an easy watch, you know. God, this guy always, always accusing me of juicing. You're out here <laughs> watching Gran Turismo. Okay, well, I could, I could easily prove that you're juicing, but I mean, you know, what? we won't get into it. I mean, what guy, am I juicing? I don't know. How many movies have you watched? Over a hundred. This year? A hundred and five? I don't know. You got to be over 105, 110. How many 2023 now. movies? Or movies yeah, 2020. No, 2023. I'm sure you're at 500 uh, movies total. Uh, you're always this year. Now you're always over the limit, though. <laughs> over the limit. I'm saying you're you're at more than one a day every year. I'm yeah. never a day. I'm always at like 220 max. I have seen. I oh wow! I'm gonna finish this year at. Uh, one movie every basically day and a half. Jesus. What, no, no, like that's low. That's way low. It's not, I'm not low. gonna make 300 movies. That's not low, Jr. <laughs> I'm at 106. You got me. 106. I thought you'd be higher, honestly. I'm at 85. So. <laughs> and I, I mean, I watched four in the last day. You know, so. I don't know when I watched all these movies. Where. I'm like I'm. I feel so behind on the movie watching. Like May December is the only new release I've watched in like two and a half weeks, three weeks. Yeah, you're you're insane, dude. Because I no, that's not true either. I was just <laughs> oh looking yeah. At, I was just looking at your directive. Okay. You watched like so just, three or four different 2023 things. No, no, I just watched. Uh, didn't just watch. I mean, since we recorded last, I have also watched uh, the fucking Exorcist. You but, watched uh, Indiana Jones, mm. The Exorcist, May December, Doctor Who shit. Oh, Mandy. that's this, this TV. These are all this 2023. TV. No, 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 no. The Doctor Who stuff. It's TV. It's a TV series. It's a. It's not a movie. It's didn't a, that didn't go on the list. Oh, okay. No, was, I didn't put, put. There are three episodes. Okay, you put Indiana Jones on the list. You put Exorcist on the list. You put May December on the list. That's three since we recorded last. Plus Nanny. Nanny is 2023, right? 22. No. Are you sure? Yeah, I checked. I double checked. Okay. It came out. Uh, in I wouldn't waste my December time with a 2022 in, De- in December right now. You know what I mean? I wouldn't waste my fucking time going backward. I got to watch. That was, I mean, that's just, it's been on my list for a long time and had been on my, my library holds for a long time. I get it. I also don't do the library thing, so I don't have that sort mm. of, uh, nipping at me. You know, like, oh, I got to watch this thing from the library to get it back. Yeah, that's where like, um, I got chilly scenes of winter from the library, which mm-hmm, is good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, John Hurt's good. All right, eighty. Sorry, I'm at eighty six for this year. My bad. Okay, uh, let's do uh, our roulette. We should have done our roulette a long time ago. I forgot. Mm. Um, kids in the hall. Are we going? We're just going to use kids in the hall, right? The uh, yeah, they, sure. they act. They act in things. Sure, they do. Uh, should we do? So, Catherine Greenwood is our number six. Is she real? We can do um, she's been in twenty one things. Been in, I've seen yeah. a couple of things she's been in. She's, she's been in stuff. She's got a familiar face, I'll tell you that. She must be T V. Uh okay, we can do her. I don't care. All right. Let mm-hmm. me see which one we're doing. Uh dice. Up, here we go. We're gonna roll it. And it's uh, come on. There we go. Um it's Bruce McCulloch. Mm. So I don't know. Yikes. Mm. Yikes you, indeed. You, you guys got I got two. 
Same. <laughs> I got, got stealing Harvard. I got three. You dickhead. Oh. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I mean, is it all, it's brain candy dick for, for all of us? Yes. For me, uh, it is. Brain candy and stealing Harvard for me. Oh, no shit. Okay. <laughs> you should see Dick. Dick is fun. I saw Dick in okay. the theater instead of, and get this, okay? Get this. I'm at the theater. I get dropped off by my my dad's cousin in Atlanta when I'm a kid. Like, we're visiting them in Atlanta. They bring me to the theater. Like, here, go see a movie, you know? They drop me off. I'm looking at the marquee. Dick is playing. Eyes Wide Shut is playing. And Sixth Sense is playing. I'm too scared to see Sixth Sense. <laughs> I, and I'm, I'm, I'm so close to trying to get into eyes wide shut. Cause I know it's like a porno essentially, you know, and I'm like, you know, I'm 13. I just want to see like tits and stuff, but like <laughs> to be able to say that I saw eyes wide shut in the theater on its first, like would be amazing. And I can't believe I went and saw fucking dick. <laughs> what a shit show. Uh, that's, oh, great. Goodness. that's great. That's great. I'm so happy about that. Mm. Anyway. Okay. So I guess, uh, Kevin and I are once again watching, or you know, mm. ta- tasked <laughs> with watching. I, I Who knows what will actually happen? I watched the past two homework movies without <laughs> being assigned them. Yeah, but <sighs> you have to. It's only when you have to that you don't watch them, right, Kevin? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, whoops, wrong, wrong page. The uh, number is, oh, Jesus Christ, dude, how did I open that? 2160. No, yeah, 2160, which is The Wind Rises, which is a Miyazaki film, which I have not seen. You're going to force me to watch this Miyazaki movie. <laughs> okay, I'll watch this, I guess. I so don't want to watch this. It's okay though. It's all right. I will watch this. He's not. He's not going to watch it. Spoiler. No, I'll watch he's it. He's not going to watch it. It's on Max. I mean, I'll watch it. And my kid might be into it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably not the. It's like not the kid one for she sure. She loves. She loves Ponyo. Yeah, it's not Ponyo. <laughs> well, this is not Ponyo. Oh my god, this looks like a nightmare. It's okay. All right. Uh, so yeah, we'll be watching The Wind Rises for next time. Let's go. Uh, so go see the blue heron as well, or the boy in the heron. Sorry, I'm good. Uh, and uh, yeah, next time it's I'll my pick. <laughs> it's my pick. I'm between two uh, sort of teenager bad bad teenager people movies. Dick is one of them, I assume. No. Okay. They're both dramas. And one of them stars Anne Hathaway. Is helping you at all, Jer? Um, love and other drugs? No. Um, one of them stars Michael what? Pitt. Michael Havoc? Pitt. Havoc is the one, one of them. That's right. Have I seen Havoc? You have not logged okay. it, so. Alright. Um, oh, okay, I think I might go with Havoc because it's way shorter. It's 85 minutes. <laughs> This is from like a very specific time where we got a bunch of these like not teenagers being bad movies, but like just like a bunch of teenagers movies. Yeah, I feel like this came out like at the same time as like 
like Thumbsucker and shit like that. It is 05. <laughs> That's like the exact same time. Yeah. Um, mm. Let's do... Uh, fuck, man. The other, I, I, I told Kevin before we started that I didn't want to do this. I want to just have the movie ready. And I haven't even looked at these choices until not just now. And I know one of these is better than the other. Fuck. Just do it. Commit. One, two, three, choose. All right, we're going to watch Bully from 2001, directed God by Larry Clark, <laughs> starring Brad Renfro <laughs> and Nick Stahl and Rachel Miner and T.G. Phillips. And uh, JR hasn't seen this, and I know he doesn't like Larry Clark, but <laughs> this is a big one. Would you rather watch Havoc? I'm directed just going, by, I'm going to watch Havoc. It's directed by Barbara Koppel, who's a documentarian. Just good we're going to do a review of Bully where I'm actually reviewing Havoc. <laughs> You want to do a double review where I, I both of them are the deep dive? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm okay. just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I'll be fine. I, I haven't seen a Larry Clark movie in a very long time. I'm sure he's a very respectable and good filmmaker. <laughs> I really love that. This is no kids, but, you know, we'll see. All right. Anyways, we'll be watching uh, Bully for the next time. Uh, and until then, you know like our podcast on all of your podcast apps except youtube music it's not on there i realized today um because i canceled my spotify because i realized that i'm paying for youtube premium and it has youtube music included which is essentially spotify so anyway also uh you know visit our website filmmakepodcast.com and write to us filmmakepodcast at gmail.com and until next time thanks for listening bye bye We're on sort of a one bad, one good streak right now. <laughs> like Adopt the Highway was okay, pretty good. El Conde was not very good. Slaughterhouse Five was pretty good. The Missing was terrible. House of Mirth was good. That means this episode has got to be god awful, Kevin. <laughs> well, I guess not the episode, so, Kevin. but the movie. You know, the movie.